People of the world, it's the Brothers Talk with your hosts, Rod, Scott, and Norm, inviting you to join us each Friday wherever you listen to your favorite podcast or on our website to hear our take as three black, unfiltered African-American men with no strings attached, giving voice to the most feared, most misunderstood, and most rarely heard from segment of the population on topics of interest to us for education, enlightenment, and entertainment. You can follow us on Facebook. You can reach us with your comments, questions, suggestions at The Brothers Talk on Twitter, The Brothers Talk on Instagram, and you can email us, thebrotherstalk at gmail.com. And stay tuned for our long-awaited YouTube channel. And now on with this week's episode. Hello, Brothers Talk family, and once again, a hearty welcome to all you and all our first-time listeners, wherever you're listening in around the world. As always, we applaud you for holding critical thinking conversations to promote social activism and uplift people everywhere. We're also grateful for your help with the work of encouraging and educating as you interact with those around you, as we look for opportunities to endorse and inspire new and existing Black businesses and individuals for the empowerment and prosperity of the Black community. Your weekly coronavirus alert, because we care, is that the latest spike in new COVID cases is resulting in reinstituted mask mandates in several states across the country in healthcare facilities and other places that see large gatherings of people. One in particular that I've noted and want to bring your attention is sporting events. Several people that I know well have been to Giant Stadium here in New Jersey or Yankee Stadium in the Bronx or City Field in Queens, and they've all come back either with COVID or someone in their group did. That's not a coincidence, people. So we're not saying you shouldn't go, but at least protect yourself by wearing a mask, as this is the beginning of the high season for other respiratory infections as well, such as RSV2, the flu, and pneumonia, all of which you can get vaccinations for. And finally, if you're traveling, remember to carry and use plenty of disinfectants to kill these viruses and bacteria that can keep you out of the hospital or the morgue. Let's protect ourselves and each other, people, because we can and we must do better. And now to my brothers in the struggle for critical thinking, Scott and Noam. Thanks, Rod. And as usual, thanks, family, for your continued support. And Rod is right, as usual, this COVID uh, virus is beginning to pick up. Uh, Florida is leading, uh, from something I read a couple of days ago, that Florida is leading the country in hospitalizations. Uh, What I do see a positive sign in that there are some people who appear to have some sense uh, when I go into establishments now, I do see more people with masks on, but they seem to be uh, older adults. Uh, you got these younger people out here thinking that they're invincible, and that's what's going to keep the virus from spreading because people are not protecting themselves. They're not vaccinated, and they're not wearing a mask. So uh, do what you need to do to protect yourself, your loved ones, and the community. Noah? Thanks, Scott. I just want to remind all of our listeners that, you know, children are back in school. Schools are just open for the fall. And it's really important that we stay on top of the school boards and what they're teaching our children in our school systems. We, in our community, we seem to be lagging in basic skills. Many of our students can't read, write, mathematics, or what have you on grade level. And it's important that we at least achieve the basic minimums so our young people can achieve in life and we can step forward as a community. Please stay on top of your young people, whether you have children or not, the school boards, whether you have children or not, and teachers, and find out what's going on in your local schools. 
This week, we want to point out a couple of things that may make us sound like the old men on the porch. But you know what? That's not such a bad thing because sometimes the old men on the porch were really wise and could actually bring some insight into what's going on. Saw an article last week about the number of high-profile deaths of performers in hip-hop and then saw another YouTube video where a couple of sports figures were talking about the loose morality of women who were sharing how many sex partners they had and basically lauding them for taking control of their bodies and whatnot. And it got me to thinking about the fact that the dominant force behind hip-hop is not really these producers that you see, the Jay-Z's, and the 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 puff daddies and the others who are you know multi famous as like Luke and Master P and so forth think they're given credit for being the force behind hip hop when the truth of the matter is they are just faces for the real puppet masters who is really the white power structure and the reason why I really want to make this a topic is because no other culture, be it Asian, be it white, be it country, be it Hispanic, is focused on the kind of negative values that result in the destruction within our communities. And by destruction, I mean, you show me a country and Western song, you show me a rock and roll song, you show me a b-boy song that glorifies the killing of your own people. You show me one that glorifies the sexualization of all women within your culture. And why is that acceptable only in our culture? And so it just seems like there's a need for us to wake up and understand that the Jay-Zs and companies are just fronting the whole process but they really are not the money behind it because the people who are allowing the Jay-Zs and the Master P's and the P. Diddy's and company to get rich off this are the billionaires and the billionaire corporations that are simply using them as front people so that our people will find it acceptable and they ought to have better sense. You know, Rod, uh, this whole notion that... um we were talking about hip hop in that article, and, and and I don't I don't really wish that kind of anybody to get killed uh, in a violent crime, whether it's they being shot, murdered, whatever. But this just looks like chicken hummer on the roof, because when hip hop started out, when rap and that whole thing came out, it was a kind of upbeat, positive sound, and all of a sudden it seems like gangster rap was being glorified. So gangster rap became at one time, like it was like, if it wasn't gangster rap, we couldn't play it. It wasn't on the radio. They wasn't producing it. And so gangster rap became glorified. And some of these same people who became multimillionaires pushing gangster rap and uh, basically demeaning black women, demeaning, devaluing the black community, black culture, everything about black people, these people, yeah, there are other people 
who are out there behind. There are forces behind that that uh, who was pushing them in that direction. But there are people lined up to benefit from it. And so you got some of these same people who are out here talking about, you know, they're living the reality. This is my reality. You know, the violence and the guns and 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 the drugs and the women and the whole thing. And a lot of those people end up being killed by people who like the fact that this whole gender of music have been glorified. And um, so to me, it's kind of like the chicken coming home to roost. Well, well, Scott, it's been glorified because the white record labels have basically sought to glorify it. When hip hop, as you mentioned, when hip hop started, I mean, you had a genre of different types of hip hop. And what happened was when the black labels sold to the big labels, white owned labels, basically the white owned labels decided to eliminate all of the other types of hip hop and go strictly with the ghetto, street, violent, gangster rap and promote that. So literally, if anyone coming after that, any rappers coming after that point, if they wanted to get put on, they would have to fit that narrative. You couldn't come with educational rap or any and anything uplifting. You would have to fit the, the record label's narrative in order to be put on. And that's why that's literally all we have. And they're glorifying the worst part of Black culture. And they basically glorified ghetto culture to the point where it has become the norm for many of our young people. And you remember back in the day, you know, when you had like people like Maxine Waters who came out against the kind of rap and hip hop that we're talking about now. You know, again, we're not prudish. We understand that, you know, there's always been sexualization in music, but the way that it has devolved without any kind of counteroffensive goes right to the heart of what you mentioned, Norm, which is that early on, when we go back to its roots, and you said it too, Scott, that the earliest forms of hip-hop, because, you know, we were there when it began, was really, it was about funny songs and things, you know, like Christmas rapping and 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 Christmas and Hollis and and the, the kinds of socially uplifting tunes and, and raps from KRS-One and and also uh, Chuck D and Public Enemy. And so there was a diversity to it that, you know, it went across the spectrum. Yeah, you had some of the hardcore stuff out there, but it's like all of that has disappeared and you put your finger on it, Norm, that there came a point where the idea was the only rap and hip hop that they wanted to make available is the stuff with the worst imagery, the stuff with the lowest kind of morality, so that the influence, and as they say, hip-hop is a culture now. And, you know, you hear people, like, reciting these lyrics, and one of the things I was doing when I went through the article from the New York Times, because I didn't know really probably 95% of the names that were in there, but in this article, you could easily click over to some of the samples of some of these rappers who have been killed. And, you know, and it was one after another that it's like, you, you're right, Scott, you talk about the chickens coming home to roost, that they basically were glorifying what killed them. And 
you know, you got too many of our young people now who have the same kind of mindset because let's face it, you know, even like, you know, in religion, it says, you know, you are what you think. And so if you are being influenced to think of life as not having any value, if you are being influenced to think of women as sex objects, if you're being influenced to think that, you know, violence against your brothers and sisters is not that big a deal or that it might actually get you some kind of street cred, then you're going to be the kind of person that's going to go out and act on those impulses. And to me, when they look for the causality of what is causing the high crime rates or what people try to refer to as black on black crime, which there is no such thing, because as we all know, all crime happens, or at least as the uh, statistics say, that over 95% of crimes are committed homogeneously within the same ethnic group. So, But the bottom line is that we have an over-reliance of the criminal aspect that comes from our young people who are killing each other, and you cannot ignore the impact of what they're getting in their minds based on what hip hop is telling. Brad, did you know him was both talking about this and was talking about how Norm specifically you were talking about how, well, both of you talked about how, uh, white power, you know, power structure, basically the people who are in charge. And, and like Roger was saying, Jay-Z was in, in Puff Daddy, those guys are fronts. But when you take a look at what's happening, because, when rap came out, rap, it was it was new and it was different, and it was and people was interesting, it was exciting. But you gotta wonder why did they move towards gangster rap because they was making money with rap. But uh, if you if you think about it, that's what is similar to what's happening now uh, with half of white America out here believing all this nonsense and all the lies that you know some people in the Republican Party are telling them. And it looks like it, there, there's some similarities there. They knew that if we go out here and we talk about, you know, this is what's going on in the street, you know, this is how we live, and glorifying this stuff, you got people who are not who can't think for themselves, and they go out there and act, and they're trying to live that lifestyle. They believe that stuff that these guys are saying in some of these rap songs, and some of it may be or may not be true, but to me, it seems similar. Like this could be something that was done purposely that we know that if we put this stuff out here, young people are going to look at it and some people who are not uh, mentally stable or or mature enough or educated enough or whatever, they're going to believe it. They're going to fall for it and they're going to go out here and wreak havoc and violence on the black community. And that lo- that's looks like what has happened other than the fact that there, you know, people, some of the music, I guess, is really. Uh, good music. I'm not, you know, I like some rap, but I don't, I don't really follow that genre that much. But uh, if you just take a look at who benefited from that, you know, what we got out of this is a lot of death and destruction and, and, and basically tearing down our black women, tearing down the social fabric of the black community, just, just totally disrespecting black people in general. Our own young boys have been producing that music. The only people who really have benefited from that is some of them and the producers and the people who are backing the producers. Um, Scott, I think you just hit the uh, nail right on the head. This was by design. This is no accident. Literally, 
un- unfortunately, once our people gave up control of our labels and the ability to basically let all genres in and get airplay, once that happened, whites control what gets out. As I heard one rapper say, you can literally talk about killing a black man on the radio and rap, but you can't talk about killing a dog. That's where they draw the line. So it's clear to see that this is by design to basically disenfranchise our people. And it's worked, unfortunately. So there you have it. And we really want to hear what you think as well. But we certainly want you to pause and take a look at the lack of diversity in Black music today, because there's just far too much an emphasis on the negative stereotypes, the negative behaviors that you just don't find in other forms of music. So in our weekly Black Business Enterprise Spotlight, we'd like to introduce you to Quintel Sumrall, who teaches financial skills, leveling up credit scores, and who's making history one business at a time. Credit Coach Q is a seasoned credit repair expert and YouTube educator who's lifting off with the first Black-owned credit monitoring company called iccredit.com. From 2019 to 2020, Black adults were more likely to have used credit cards, loans, or borrowed money to cover rent, gas, and food costs. However, new studies indicate that 46% of Black adults have been denied in their application for credit versus 22% of white adults, as Black Enterprise previously reported. A few of the perks of this new online service include a simple four-step, four-month dispute process to help clients repair credit scores with each of the three credit reporting bureaus, 24-hour secure portal access, over 600 custom dispute letter templates developed by experienced attorneys, and removing all unwanted inquiries from three credit bureaus. According to a 2022 survey by the Identity Theft Resource Center and Black Researchers Collective, the impact of identity crimes on Black communities across the nation is significant. Huge percentages of our annual income are being stolen, with only 50% of Black victims reporting what they've lost to law enforcement. 16% of victims reported losing between $5,000 to $10,000. 26% say they lost between $1,000 and $5,000, and 22% lost between $500 and $1,000. IC Credit aims to change the wave of financial literacy by leveraging state-of-the-art technology. They prioritize customer protection in the age of identity theft by providing up to $1 million in theft insurance, monthly reports and score refreshes, and daily credit monitoring services. According to Summerall, our goal is to make financial security and credit protection a reality for every American, regardless of their background or income level. So you have it there. Check out iccredit.com. And that's a wrap for this show. And remember, you can share your thoughts with us and follow and communicate with us by sending your comments as well as your questions and show ideas to the Brothers Talk on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, or email us to brotherstalk at gmail.com. As always, God willing, we'll continue to keep our focus on the issues that impact our community on the path to a better future. Until our next episode, know that we sincerely appreciate your time and interest and rest assured that we'll never take it or you for granted. Finally, let's all do better today because that's all we really have.